0: oh Today, my guest is yoga guru enthusiast, Jennifer DeMarco. She teaches at a couple of colleges, including Grossmont, a couple of spas and resorts, and has a website dropping soon. Listen to her talk about her introduction to yoga and the yoga lifestyle. She ranks Zumba, Richard Simmons, Sweatin' City Oldies, Jazzercise, Taibo, and other exercise classes, as well as her top all-time swamis and gurus. We talk about how to keep cool under pressure, how to forgive others and yourself, and which band is better, Rolling Stones or Led Zeppelin? That and much, much more. So sit down, strap in, turn on, and turn up this Zen balancing episode of Tony on the Mike. Our story begins, as these stories often do. Great. you say something dumb, we'll probably leave it in.
1: <laughs> <What>? <laughs> oh, no, you have to take out all the dumb stuff.
0: Tell our story. And when our children tell our story. Listen to my story. Yoga people? Is that a reasonable?
1: <laughs> yeah, you okay. could call us yoga people. Okay. I don't think anybody would be offended.
0: That yoga people are, are always perfect. Always in balance, always at peace. (laughs) That's a good one. And that you think you're better than everyone else. You have no control. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story?
1: My feet swelled up. Oh, no. And they were like Fred Flintstone feet. Like, (laughs) they couldn't even fit into my Jimmy Choo pumps that I had taken to wear with the ball gown. So, alas, I had to wear flip-flops with the ball gown. Story, story, story. That one was just sad. I think he's a year younger. All right. Well, I'm 58.
0: Uh, 55. Oh, I'm way older than you. Super old. Yes or no. Those are your only two choices. Okay. Are you ready to die today?
1: Yes. Wow. I have to say, that's the
0: most amazing story I ever heard. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whatever time you listen to this fine podcast product. My name is Tony Lawrence, and this is Tony on the Mic today. My guest is someone I don't know how to address. She's my teacher in yoga and a overall yoga expert. So my habit is to say, Mrs. DeMarco, can I go, you know, (laughs) now her name is Jennifer DeMarco. And uh, I think we're close to the same age. I think so. But it's still really weird for me to call a teacher by the first name. Please do. I'll try
1: you can even just say Jen Jen mm-hmm
0: I'm gonna try okay uh, let's start and we'll finish at the same place both with t- tell me what you do right now if you have any uh, social media if you have any websites you want to you know have people check out uh, let's start there
1: well the the things that are in existence are the basic elementary things like a Facebook page and Instagram is Grossmont Yoga,
0: Grossmont yoga.
1: I do have a website that is just now being built, hmm. and it's, it's in place with no content at this moment in time. It's JenniferDeMarcoYoga.com, okay. and I'm in the process of building some video content for it and also considering a couple of live classes a week that'll be able to be accessed through oh. that site. So more information to come, but yeah. you can take a look just at the empty shell, at jenniferdemarco.com. <laughs> yeah, give me feedback on what you see because it's, yeah. it's it's all is there, new. T-
0: is it interactive? Can we comment on it, or should they reach you through your Facebook page? I How believe, you- if it,
1: if it's functioning, there's a place where you can email me okay. from the website. Okay. And like I said, it's all new, so just get I, it up and I running. I was where
0: you are about a year ago, and I'm Tony on the mic at TonyOnTheMic.com. Find my website. You can email me at Tony Lawrence on the mic, or you can click the email button on the website. Please check out all my social medias.
1: Yeah, <laughs> everything you people, see will will have the full name Jennifer DeMarco. Jennifer Demarco.
0: Two ends or one end?
1: Two ends. Two
0: N's. All right, that'll make it easy to find. And you teach at Grossmont College. You're an adjunct instructor. Yes, and you teach at Southwest College as an adjunct ad. I'm going to learn how to say that word before this podcast is over. Adjunct instructor, mm-hmm. and tell me about Rancho La Puerta. What is, what exactly is that?
1: Rancho La Puerta is a fitness and wellness destination spa located just a little bit south of the border. It's in Tecate. It's very close to the border. We can see the border oh, from wow. that property. And it's the oldest spa in North America it was founded in 1940 and our founder Deborah Zayke, is just getting ready to celebrate her 100th birthday the actual birthday is on May 3rd but we're having the party on Sunday May 1st and it's going to be a really big big gathering lots and lots of people from over the years and anyway at this resort it is based around hiking and fitness and yoga and meditation and healthy living organic garden farm to table all of the food is grown on site and they also have gardening classes and programs and cooking classes and programs and a full spa menu as well wow
0: sounds fantastic they can find information on that
1: at rancholapuerta.com
0: beautiful easy and then let's see fit athletic club fit yep F I T. and south park yoga yes wow when do you sleep mm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> typically between about 11 p.m and 5 a.m okay. that's about it <laughs> all right <laughs>
0: yeah that sounds like you have a, a full plate you've been at the college 23 years it says mm-hmm. now i took your class i'm trying to remember i think it was probably 2007. 6 or 7? I mean, were you there then? I yep. mean, that's when I think my first first go round and just just going back to college for I didn't take many academic classes. It was all, you know, a yoga, basketball, volleyball, weight training, circuit training. Right. And it's just to stay stay mobile, stay healthy, stay active. And I, I find personally I do a lot better if someone's calling a roll. And I have to say present, you know, <laughs> right? because I've had successful stints at gyms and different things where you meet people and they kind of hold you accountable. But mm-hmm. it's really upon it's really on you. So I like the class. I'm taking two classes. I'm taking, you know, Beth Kelly. I'm I, taking her. I do. Her fitness class or aerobic fitness and weight training. And I've had her, I've had her class probably a dozen times over the, over the years. So, uh, have you ever in all of your years teaching yoga seen anyone embrace and reflect the complete, complete immersion in yoga as fast as I have? I mean, if,
1: I don't know that it would be pretty <laughs> tough to match that Tony. You're, you're pretty woke.
0: It's uh, it's oh, it, I'm joking. Of course, cause I don't do a lot of <laughs> yoga, <laughs> but it's so what I want, you know. And it just really fell into place at a perfect time in my life where I just, I just wanted it. And I not not just the flexibility, because of course I need that. You need the the thing, but the cleansing, mental, and the meditation and the just trying to detach and ground yourself in certain spaces yes. has been so wonderful. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about that and a lot of the other benefits of yoga. But meanwhile, let's uh, let's paint the Jen DeMarco picture. And you were born in Wichita, Kansas.
1: Yes, indeed.
0: And you went to Stonewall Jackson High School in Manassas, Virginia.
1: How southern can you get? I was going to say
0: Stonewall that, Jackson. Is it I still Stonewall Jackson? It is not. I was gonna, uh, there's be been
1: promise. a lot of drama. They have just recently changed the name. And I... I'm, if I'm misspeaking, I apologize to any of my classmates, but I think it is now called Unity Reed, R-E-E-D. Hmm. But back person? in the day, it was still Stonewall Jackson High School.
0: Wow. Do you remember your mascot? Raiders. The Raiders. The
1: Raiders. And uh-huh. our colors were burgundy and white. Wow.
0: And you played in the band?
1: I played in the band. What
0: instrument did you play?
1: I play the French horn. Okay. Actually, the French horn is my actual in the room, on the stage for band and orchestra. And in marching band, it's a mellophone, which is configured as a French horn, but it points forward. Ah. So it's a big, heavy instrument with a big bell that faces forward.
0: Wow. Wow. You are, uh, you're not big. (laughs) Nope. So... (laughs) for those yeah. of you uh, I'm
1: pushing five feet yeah yeah pushing yeah. five feet
0: you, I don't think you ever gonna get there if you haven't got there yeah, yeah, if you're pushing
1: it, <laughs> I just keep hoping to decompress my spine <laughs> more and more and more yeah
0: so in your driver's license does it say five foot
1: it does ah all right
0: <laughs> <laughs> well mine still says 180 pounds
1: and yeah so. <laughs> I think mine says 120 <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah mine uh hasn't seen, seen that uh, weight in a while but I'm coming back thanks to yoga and Beth Kelly's class. Wonderful. Then Now, swimming, were you uh, on the swim team? Did you have a specialty stroke or all around?
1: I swam competitively for a lot of years and all through grade school, middle school, high school, and first couple of years of college. Yeah. And I've specialized in distance freestyle and also butterfly Um, All distances of butterfly and individual medley, which combines all four strokes.
0: Yeah, I was on a swim team, and I was terrible. And it was one year, and we moved to a new community, and they had a community team. And the coach said, son, you swim like a bowling ball. If I put you (laughs) in the shallow end, you'll eventually get to the deep end. He was not a nurturer.
1: Yeah, I I ultimately... stopped swimming because of a coach that was not a nurturer oh, really? you know so far on the other end of the spectrum that i made the choice to walk away at a certain point and that okay. was when i started running you know okay. to have my outlet and I'm, I'm still doing that to this day
0: you are a nurturer you are very supportive mm-hmm. in the class and everything and and you make all of us who can't do some of the stuff feel feel comfortable and feel okay i hope it
1: comes out that way it's the intention
0: yeah then let's see you spent time at james madison george mason Mm -hmm. and university of western florida Mm -hmm. okay and what did you want to be when you went to college what was your goal when you
1: (laughs) i i have to say i i believe i was one of those people who came out of high school with absolutely no clue no idea what i wanted to major in no idea what i really truly wanted to be on the other side of college and i believe that it really explains the college hopping that you see there and i started with grand ideas of going to med school and i had always as a little kid i had always talked about wanting to be a doctor and that was going to be my calling and when i got to james madison i started in the pre-med program and just found that it was not Lighting me up. It it wasn't grabbing me. It wasn't creating the interest that I had always imagined it would in my head
0: And if it doesn't that's a lot of schooling
1: (laughs) and it's a lot of rigor Yeah. Yeah, and then then I had the grand idea You'll you'll appreciate this because back in that day in computer science We were still in the conversation of Fortran and COBOL. Oh, yeah And so I changed my major to something called management information systems And if you know anything about me and my phobia of all things (laughs) technology You would think that this is really funny that I chose this as a major (laughs) and it was so bad, it was so, my performance was so egregious that I actually got put on academic probation oh, no. at that point in time, and I chose to take a semester off, I'm doing air quotes with my fingers, yes. air quotes for the <laughs> semester off, and I moved home, and I, d- I did not go back to okay. James Madison. Now,
0: when you took the semester off, I'll match your air quotes, did you know you weren't coming back?
1: I think deep down I did. Okay. I, I wouldn't voice it, but I think I did know in my heart of hearts. And I just, it was a sad, depressed time for me because I've, I felt like a failure. I felt like I had gone in as a straight A student and, you know, the world is my oyster. And really, it was the first big screw up that I had had. Now and, you're
0: two ma- and you're two majors in now. Yeah. Now, you know, yeah. first medicine, medicine
1: and then the computer and didn't like either one and moved home with my parents. And And where was home at that time? Manassas, Virginia. And my dad at that time was still a professor at George Mason University. He just retired actually last week after 48 years there. But I, I lived at home and commuted to that school with him for a little while, actually, to bring some grades up from the general studies courses that I had not done so well in. And the, you might have to edit this out, but I got to commute with my dad to school every day for about a year, listening to how goddamn dumb I am.
0: <laughs> I will like, not ha- edit like, it out. Yeah, you know, just like, bit, but... <laughs> what are you
1: thinking? What are you doing? What are you going to do with your life? Eek. And as as challenging as that was, I know that that was a really important pivot point for me, you know, just to have no choice but to take a look at what I was doing and what path I was taking. Yeah, that's
0: hard. And I think the best words I could ever give anyone from a junior in high school to maybe the third-ish year of post-high school, whether it be college or mm-hmm. whatever, is because I know, speaking for myself, I looked around and I thought everybody had it figured out except me. Yeah. Everybody knew exactly what they were going to do, how they were going to do it, where they were going to go, except me. Right. And I, and I can match. I mean, I was probably six years at a community college at, mm-hmm. <laughs> at Mount Hood and had no idea. And it's hard when you're getting pressure either from the family, like it says it sounds like you were getting a little bit in the car, or just society and then you reach 22 24 what are you going to do what are you going to do what are you going to do and you know here i am 58 so I have no idea right so and I just you tell know you, it's in my work family
1: out. there's there's a standard that's been set academically yeah, you know just, so there's sort of
0: yeah, george mason's no joke
1: an understanding that you're going to meet that and exceed that in whatever your chosen field of study is, and then also a little bit of pressure to, of course, choose a career that's going to provide sustaining income. There's that. And um, anyway, I, f- I feel that in my family there there was a little bit of pressure to not necessarily follow this calling into health education and exercise science with the idea that, you know, you really should do more academically. And I think that was a big source of my waffling back Mm. and forth because I have had this interest in sports and fitness and wellness from a very, very early age. A grandpa who was a PE teacher and a coach and he was the source of the swimming and the sports and all of that stuff. And I just feel like it's in my blood and I and I love doing that. And it wasn't until I left George Mason and moved far, far away down (laughs) to Pensacola, Florida to University of West Florida and just kind of found my way into a scholarship for cross-country and track. And because no one else was really footing the bill, a freedom to major in the thing Uh, that really spoke to my heart. I was responsible for my own living expenses by that point, and just things really came together in a beautiful way, and the the pathway was opened, Is and that the when, way was created.
0: When you invented, you said you reinvented yourself several times. Now, were you mindful of reinventing yourself, or were you just changing? Do you think you just were growing and changing? Because I know a couple times in my life, I said, "I'm I'm moving to a new place." I'm I'm not going to do this anymore and I'm going to be more like this I remember it where you you think your reinventions were intention-filled or uh, Summation of circumstances.
1: I think it was a little of both to be Mm -hmm. perfectly honest I could feel that I wanted to make some changes in my way of being you know I wanted to get out of that place of feeling like I had no direction and that I'm just spinning my wheels and for me, kind of like our talk in class today, there was a bit of a need to clean things up a little bit. Yes. Um, With diet, with substances, with exercise, with free time activities, and the people that I'm surrounding myself with, I, I needed to make a change, and the change needed to include cleaning things up a little bit to move forward in a more healthy, positive way.
0: Yeah. Well good. Now is that when uh Yoga Jennifer emerged? Is that or did that come a little later?
1: Uh, Yoga Jennifer em- there there have been a few incarnations. I I actually just filled out a job application and they wanted to know all about my yoga teaching history. Mm. I've been teaching group exercise since I was in 10th grade. That was actually my first job in high school. So I was teaching swimming lessons and sort of by default, I got recruited to teach aerobics in this particular gym that I was working in at the time. And all around the same time, this is with very little training, very little background, there was no such thing as getting certified at that point in time. They would just say, hey, you look like you can teach a class, here's a CD (laughs) or cassette tape. We weren't even using CDs at that time. Here, here's your headband, here are your slouch <laughs> socks, go. Yeah. Yeah. And then not too long after that, the certification process did appear, and I was one of the early ones who signed in with AFA, the Aerobics and Fitness Association of America, which was one of those first certification bodies. And not long after that, I was recruited to teach some corporate classes for IBM in that Northern Virginia area. And one of those first classes was yoga for healthy backs. Ah. And I was literally 16 years old, reading a script and, you know, following a specific protocol that was already pre-established. I'm just kind of delivering the information. No training, no background. And yet, to this day, that was my highest paid gig. Really? To this day. Wow. My highest paid gig. <laughs> 150 bucks a class. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> And you know, I, th- I thought in my mind, hey, it's just going to go up from here. Right, right. right.
0: <laughs> wow. Uh, that's, it's crazy.
1: So then fast forward to that time in Pensacola. I continued to support myself. My livelihood was teaching fitness classes. Um, I was not teaching a lot of yoga at that time. It was more... Um, Step aerobics and high and low impact aerobics and workouts that included resistance training, like the body sculpt type format. But um, in my own practice, there has always been an emphasis on an inner practice that Mm -hmm. included movements of yoga, breath work and inner reflective meditative practice.
0: Yeah. Do you remember... uh... Like, did you see yourself as what Denise Austin? I'm trying to think of who was the Jane Fonda workout, of course. Uh, did you Did you ever vision that as a path for you as you started teaching and training that you would become a mainstream? You know, see, because we didn't think back then about being a brand, right? You know, now every you know, right? Every 14 year old is branding. They're trying, right. you know, they want to be a brand. They want to be an influencer. But, I mean, you remember? do you remember Denise Austin? And you oh, my gosh, her?
1: yes. Okay. In fact, she has been at Rancho La Puerta and what? taken my step class. Oh, my I goodness. Beca- I was, had a fangirl moment. <laughs> and there are, there are a few of them from that echelon of instructors. And I would say that, yes, I was very influenced by those people and kind of got... The content that I used in my early classes from watching what they were doing on their TV shows or on their VHS videos that you could buy or check out from uh, the yes. video rental yeah. places you know the I was what? I was always seeking you know just kind of observing how these professional teachers put their classes together how they cued it how they sequenced it I was really interested in Isn't that funny how
0: and, and it's just such a it's such a slice of time because when you looked at it, you said, "How can I incorporate this? Right. How can?" And I'm sure you and thousands of others were like, "Okay, this is a successful teacher. I'm gonna I'm gonna make my class, my instruction, my approach similar to her approach." Right. And today, the slice would be, "How could I be her?" Right. You know, how can I? And and again, one of my favorite quotes. I'm gonna butcher it. It is, everybody wants to achieve consciousness but no one wants to sit for 30 days on a mountain or something like that you know everybody wants to get to the end right without taking the journey right and that's interesting in or, fitness and in oh, yoga yeah. and in life. in life i think that's true <laughs> yes. okay. um now i'm i'm not gonna pry too much but talk as much as you want now i just want to get back to you that you were then married how old were you then got married the first time 22. Oh, only time right
1: yeah okay. the one and only time i was married i was 22 very young
0: okay and um you had two kids two kids nick and Corey.
1: nick and Corey. Corey is in charleston
0: south carolina she is we were just in charleston a year ago i went to somerville high school in somerville south carolina which is just up the road from charleston we wow had a prom in charleston and i took my wife to charleston she had never been to charleston and yikes i don't want to get too much on a tangent well it's important in my journey that I, for 40 years, hated Charles. I had no reason to go back. I had friends there. Right. I had friends that I liked and I care about and people that I met. I couldn't have cared less if I ever went back. And I went back for a high school reunion, uh, like at the 10-year. And I hosted. I was doing stand-up comedy and, and had a great time. And then left. And that was it.
1: I had no idea oh, about yeah. the comedy.
0: Oh, yeah. And the band. Wow. So there's... There's there's onion layers here.
1: Yes, indeed. <laughs> we are going to have to do another episode for yes, sure.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, but I went back for my 40 year. My 40 year was the was this last year. And it was the first time that I, I'm also racially mixed. My, my father's black and my mom's white. And they're, they're in the South in the late 70s, early. It was a hard time to be racially mixed. Yep. And having lighter complexion... I. I had a giant Afro. I don't know why more people didn't just assume. But you would hear things that you just didn't want to hear. And you'd hear people say that you didn't want these particular people to say. You wanted to be friends. You wanted to to like their parents. You wanted all this stuff. And I just felt out of place. And I felt alone for a long time. And I, I masked that by just becoming gregarious and just not caring what anybody thought. But when I went back, I now... In the conversations I had and talking with people about the history, and again peers, you know mm-hmm. that the conversations you have at seventeen are way different than you have at fifty-seven. Sure, <laughs> you know, and we we
1: we grow up, don't we, we? We do. Right. Again,
0: this is not my story. I don't know why we got sidetracked to South Carolina
1: because <laughs> my sweet girl's there.
0: Yes does she does she like it? Or is...
1: Well, she's been there a very short time. She arrived in February, so it's just oh. been a few short okay. months. She bought a place, she's got the place, you know, getting it fixed up to suit her. And she's a firefighter with the Boeing company at one of their test flight facilities. And she also has just been selected for the joint Boeing and NASA astronaut extrication team, which is the group of first responders responsible for getting the astronauts out of The spacecraft when they come back after they've been in space How exciting is that so that they get directly into medical and one thing I didn't know she was Explaining when I just saw her a couple weekends ago that when they come back the gravity effects when they very first land back on earth cause frequent loss of consciousness and you know all kinds of really big effects in the body so it's really important when they land that they're directly whisked into a medical little portable medical clinic so that they can monitor all their vital signs
0: wow um all right let's plant the seed to get her on the show i'd Mm -hmm. love to talk about that yeah and i'm i'm starting to play with zoom so we might be able to make that work
1: yeah and also i wanted to make sure i talk about my son. we talked about Corey and I, I know they'll listen. So I want to make sure that
0: just Corey lived where I live. That's why, (laughs) that's why I left you out. Sorry. Sorry. About tell me about Nick.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I got to talk about Nick because he's right here. He's, he's here in San Diego and he's the older one. Corey's going to be 28 in a couple weeks and Nick is getting ready to turn 30 next month. Wow. And he is a graduate of USD and he works in pharmaceutical research And he's a research scientist at a lab called Arrowhead that's located over near Scripps in La Jolla.
0: My son graduated from USD as well. USD is a great school.
1: Great school. Great
0: school. And if you graduate from USD, you have a very broad and dependable alumni base that you can pull from. And pharmaceuticals, that's lucrative.
1: Well, and he seems to be enjoying the research aspect oh, really? of it. And that was the thing. Yeah, I marvel on, because I can't stand doing research. So I'm glad that there are people out in the world yes. that like to do it.
0: And studies and actual medical stuff. But right. if you want to make money, Nick, get into sales. Get it, it.
1: <laughs> I keep telling him he needs to get into compounding hormones ah. and sell them to all the, the menopausal ladies. <laughs> He'll make his million.
0: There's Yes, that's... There's an unabated appetite for pharmaceutical <laughs> improvement in this country. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so you can cash your own ticket. Um, and oh, let's say didn't live happily ever after with the first husband. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, it's fair.
0: Okay. <laughs> Did he practice yoga?
1: No, he in fact, one of the things that I think, proved to be a wedge in the relationship was that we did not share that same enthusiasm. Right, that's what I
0: was wondering. And
1: him coming from a predominantly Catholic background and sort of a social background, not really exposed to Eastern practices and Eastern traditions. not always in support of my heavy involvement in those things
0: did you have issues raising your children i mean was there a leaning or
1: no fairly united that wasn't the issue there were other issues but um i felt like it was really okay to support catholicism in the young developing children if it were so important to that side of the family right Um, Certainly not opposed to it, but not necessarily taking it on in my own practice. But I got them to catechism classes and they did first communion and they did their first confessions and attended Hmm. services when it was appropriate to do so with the family. And then they also had me in their lives and, you know, plenty of conversation about what I think and what I believe and where I go to practice and pray and meditate and worship and i don't think it's terrible yeah. to have kids see two different no, things and then you know have them explained and think for themselves just grow
0: into one yeah. or the other or neither
1: yeah we yeah. really promote independent thinking
0: yeah no i agree with that 100 and last thing i want to touch on just uh, personal stuff is you've done some traveling bahamas japan italy mexico vancouver hawaii let me ask briefly, what was your favorite place you've been, and what's the f- top spot on the to-do list, on the places you want to go?
1: Oh, wow. i It's so hard to pick a favorite place, because I, the, the whole thing about travel, especially for me, because I haven't done a ton of it, hmm. and one of my life's biggest hopes and dreams is to do quite a bit of travel. I would really, really love to see more of this planet while I'm here. Yes and so I loved every single trip I loved going to Italy I loved going to Japan just they, they might as well be different planets from yeah, from yeah. my life and Vancouver is so beautiful and so clean and so health and fitness oriented it felt like a like I'm with my people <laughs> These you know? are my people And I love Hawaii. I love the way that every island has its own different personality. And um, most recently, I've discovered Kauai. And I think when I go back, that'll be where I go. go. I really love the peacefulness and the less commercialism on that island.
0: Well, we have arranged for you to take one round trip ticket anywhere on the planet compliments of i'm just kidding but <laughs> compliments where would you go of grossmont college <laughs> yes, right yeah
1: okay well you know i think one of the things that i would love to do next is start a tour of some of this the world's important spiritual sites ah. i'd love to see machu picchu i'd mm-hmm. love to go to angkor Wat. Wow. i'd love to see stonehenge I'd love to be in the Himalayas. I, you know, yeah. there, there, just any place where civilizations have gathered for the purpose of spirit and meditation and prayer, that's where I want to go. I want to sit there in that space and yeah. feel that feeling.
0: You know, we went to Japan um my son played pro football in Japan after he graduated from USD Wow! and going to the the temples that were thousands of years old Mm -hmm. and not just the physical construction of them, which what, if you think about 2000 years ago, how did they make things this big and this intricate and this detailed, but you could feel the space. You could feel the energy. If you let yourself, you know, if you, if you, if you were open to it and it is, it's a different planet. It's a different, you know, Right,
1: Whoa. and and I was lucky to get to go to some of those temples in Japan myself. In nice. fact, we talked about it. In, I can't remember if we said it in your class or not, but the purification that you go through to yeah. enter the yes. temple, the yeah. smoke purification, yeah. to be fit to be in the presence of that sacred space. Yeah, um, I, where, I love where that. Where in
0: Japan did you go?
1: I was in Tokyo, and then. Oh, I have to think of the name of the Navy base. I might have a senior moment here. Ah, no worries. Um, I It'll can't remember the Navy base name that was a little south of Tokyo. I might have to look it up and text it back okay. to you.
0: We were in um, Osaka, mm-hmm. and my cousin who went with us went to Tokyo for a couple of days. at Tsugi
1: Ah. at sugi that's what it was and the purpose of the trip i was still married and we were there for the far east hawkeye and greyhound which is e2s and c2s the the ball Ah. that they have and i wore a ball gown and everything for the far east greyhound and hawkeye ball how many
0: times have you been in a ball gown
1: a lot oh wow but on that trip Because of the flight, my feet swelled up. Oh, no. And they were like Fred Flintstone feet. Like, (laughs) they couldn't even fit into my Jimmy Choo pumps that I had taken to wear with the ball gown. So, alas, I had to wear flip flops with the ball gown at that event. Wow. Which is not good if you're pushing five feet tall because you need the heels for the long dress. Yes. Yeah.
0: Wow. With that visual, we're going to take a break. (laughs) And we will come back and we'll talk a little bit about yoga and what you think and popular conceptions and your impressions and how I find one of the things that makes you very interesting is you make it very digestible. You make it very uh, relatable and accessible to people who aren't immersed in it. So with that said, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with my guest, Jennifer DeMarco. And we are back today. My guest, Jennifer DeMarco. I'm going to call her the leading yoga guru in this room for sure. <laughs> that's <And> awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'll take it.
0: <laughs> and and I, I just don't know enough about the yoga community to know how far-fetched that statement might be if I were to give you too much props. But you are definitely the person who made it easy and impactful for me to, to do it. And and Wonderful. that's... I think, I think important things have to be easy at first. You know, if if you try and take on the 5 8 27 limbs of every different mm-hmm. i think it's too much mm-hmm. and i think that that important change only happens once you commit and once you get into it a little more but i think in the in the beginning things have to be accessible things have to be kind of easy and and energizing right do you remember your first yoga class that you took
1: i've yeah i do and i must say that early on I found myself in certain class formats that felt a little off-putting. And like. it's interesting in the in the way that it happens, stuff that wouldn't bother me right now, mm. but as a new person checking out the discipline and coming in with an athlete's mindset, kind of no-nonsense, pragmatic, That's not me. particularly religious. But seeking, you know, seeking right. something right. that I couldn't quite put my finger on and found myself in classes that would emphasize certain things like the lion breath, which is getting on your hands and knees and lifting your chin and lifting your gaze and you stick out your tongue and you know that you do this really big exhalation with your tongue
0: I have out not of your
1: And it's, you know, it's a particular form of breath work. It's a pranayama practice that really helps to cultivate courage and get rid of the obstacles that we carry within us that make us feel small and have that inability to express a courageous, powerful sense of self. But. I felt a sense of shame and embarrassment about huh. doing some of those movements very publicly. You know, so I, I definitely had that experience. And with certain other early classes that I found myself involved in, I was an athlete. And I wasn't necessarily as bendy and flexible as the, the body that you yes. guys know now, <laughs> <Right>. 40 plus <laughs> years into the practice. I, I was pretty rigid and pretty immobile. And so there was some discouragement on that side of things too and you know kind of a self-imposed pressure I should be better at this than I am this shouldn't I feel, feel so day. hard this shouldn't take so much mental focus <laughs> I thought this was gonna be a lot easier you know right? I had all those experiences yeah, oh
0: yeah. now you say your mom's side of the family had a pull towards fitness how did that definitely impact you and how did that matter what does that look like
1: so My mom's father, my grandfather, on her side of the family was an athlete during his whole life experience. He was a swimmer, he played basketball, he played tennis, and he coached all of those sports as as his career, as his livelihood. And in his later years, he was a big golfer and played 18 holes of golf as many days as he possibly <laughs> ever could get out there and nice. never used a cart and always walked. Wow. And when I was little, he took me swimming as often as we possibly could go throughout all of, you know, the summers.
0: Community and
1: pool, YMCA? Um, we had a community pool, um, a country club, Twin Rivers, where yeah. he coached. So ah. he got to take Access. me to the pool there. And they had some neighbors on their block, the EBs, who had <laughs> a backyard swimming Ebies. pool that we had free and open access to. Nice. So I, you know, we he would get me out there diving over the broomstick and make sure your feet are together and that your toes are pointed and wow. your hands are together and the fingers are pointed and working with strokes and kickboards and breath work and I just remember that as one of.
0: age starting do you remember the earliest
1: pre-kindergarten wow you know really young wow and we moved away from Kansas when I was seven and uh, the swimming was already well established by that point Mm. wow
0: now did you ever say I don't think we're in Kansas anymore
1: Well, the first place we moved outside of Wichita was South Jersey, right across the river from Philadelphia, because my dad was getting his PhD at Temple University. Ah. So we moved to South Jersey and that was a different planet from Wichita, Kansas. I had never seen the ocean before. Ah. I had never had a cheese steak before. I was in a somewhat inner city school, elementary school environment, which was very different than, you know, Wichita, Utah, Kansas yeah. environment. And it it was definitely a recognition that we're not in Kansas anymore.
0: <laughs> Do you still eat cheesesteaks?
1: No, I've Never. gone more to the plant based side. These I knew that. Days. I mean, is
0: it? Is it pretty? I mean, are you pretty rigid with that? Yeah, yeah, more and
1: more so, and and that's been an evolution, you know. Yes, I've, yeah, over over uh, the years, I've I've been softer with it, but you know, I do have a history with ovarian cancer, oh. and since that episode in my life, I made a determination that I'd really like to go more in the direction of a plant-based diet for health considerations.
0: Sure. I, and every intellectual part of me says that's the answer, hmm. but every emotional part of me sees a cheesesteak, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to eat this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think we all we all have to find our own balance with it yeah. and our own relationship to it. Yeah,
0: And I'm getting better, mm-hmm. I, I mean, in terms of just diet overall. Uh, and it's funny, because every time you think, speaking for me, every time I think that I reach this certain purity, so to speak, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I accept it's not 100%. I do a food journal about once a month. Just, just for a couple of days, just to—that's great. But then, I know what I would be eating, and I don't eat it because I don't want to write it down.
1: <laughs> okay, well, it works that it way does. too. Yes, it yeah. does.
0: It does. And I recommend anybody to do a food journal and just be honest with yourself. You know, for a week or so, and write it down. That'll be the thing. But I, I do notice that even my food journals are are more pure now. You know, and like I have a, a fruit and vegetable smoothie that I make in the blender, and I have that every day, and. Uh, Definitely. I didn't always have like salads and greens with dinner as an adult, but I do now and -hmm. and really focus
1: So this kind of goes along the lines of our discussion in class today, you know, when you're eating like that How does your mind feel? Yes better and when it's the other kind of food log That's kind of filled with all the stuff that you'd rather not (laughs) see there. How does it feel in your mind?
0: There's no question, it's, it's yeah. a tangible difference. Mm-hmm. It's tangible and yeah. intellectually and driven, I know that. Mm-hmm. But I also, you know, cheeseburger tastes good every now mm-hmm. and then. <laughs> and and, and so, every
1: now and then is okay. Yeah,
0: that's that's the concession I've made yeah. in my brain. You know, one of the, the misconceptions I think about yoga, and that's another thing that you've been really good at illustrating, is that, that people like you. Um, yoga people is that a reasonable i don't want to say a pejorative i don't know
1: yeah you okay. could call us yoga people okay i don't think anybody would be offended
0: that yoga people are are always perfect always in balance always ha, ha, ha. at peace yeah <laughs> and, that's a good one and that you think you're better than everyone else oh and definitely not I, and i get that i don't think yoga condemns anybody do they
1: no okay. and it it also <laughs> is not considered to be a religious ideology Right? It's but a not spiritual. Yeah, spiritual yeah. practice, but not limited to a particular religion yeah. or religious ideology. So, someone who's Christian can practice yoga with no conflict. Right. Somebody who's Buddhist can practice yoga with no conflict. Judaism, Islam, it, it there's no conflict in the teachings and I mm. think if you really look and study the teachings you see that the the platform of teachings is so similar. Yeah. So so much so that it that it can be really boiled down yeah. to a common element of truth. I think you're right.
0: But how do you answer the question so you're always perfect? You're always happy? <laughs>
1: Uh, striving to be you know I I think what what I've come to with the way the teachings play out in my life is that when I'm in a good place and consistent with my practice it helps me be more mindfully aware of when I have become entangled in my own thinking derogatory thinking the inner critic the inner judge yeah which is strong in in my mind and when my mind is spinning in that direction suffering ensues (laughs) in me and in the people around me and when i can be mindfully aware of having become entangled and i can successfully simply bring myself back to the reality of the present moment time and time and time and time again throughout the days it. It it isn't to say that I'm better, and in fact, it's really helping me to silence my own inner critic. That would be a better way to say it. I think my inner critic is more critical of me than any other extraneous person could be. We probably all have a little bit of that.
0: So I guess then, and again, I am in my infancy on this journey, and there's things that, that I clearly see, and there's things that I absolutely can't see and then most of it is somewhere in that opaque area mm-hmm. but the idea that you you hit it a, a moment like it's hard for me not to want to be perfect mm-hmm. you know in in these things in everything but so this this idea of yoga and centering and breathing in the daily mm-hmm. uh med- meditation and different things it's it's almost disheartening <laughs> to hear mm-hmm that I won't ever get to a point where I don't have those anymore. I don't have the struggles. I don't have the the self-critics. I don't have it. But it's encouraging to hear that you can really make it more functional, that you can in your life you can use these tools to get through things.
1: Absolutely and it's intended to be that. You know it's not intended to just be kept on the mat. The way that it has value in our lives is to make it an engaged practice that we take out into our world and into our communications and into our interactions and i think among us there's nobody that can say i'm i'm handling every interaction perfectly i never say the wrong thing i never misspeak i never piss anyone off with you know something that comes out that's received in a snarky or a critical kind of way You know, but what I what I can do is recognize, ooh, I just did say that and I feel what it feels like in my body and it doesn't feel really great. I'm going to apologize to to this person that I just said that to with integrity, with sincerity, because I didn't mean for it to come out that way. And you know, it becomes uh, a practice to notice when I'm getting ready to do that pattern again in my communication, and catch myself and redirect.
0: Now, when you forgive the other person, is there a process to forgive yourself? In in any kind
1: of forgiveness, for doing that, it's in our teachings. It's said that that has to go both ways. And and you know, an interesting little aside is that forgiveness isn't really about the other person. I, Forgiveness is letting that person off the hook for my benefit yes. so that I'm not holding on to the anger, the upset, oh. the bitterness, the resentment, the I sorrow, to my detriment. I'm
0: hearing the words.
1: It's letting them off the hook to preserve to
0: sometimes. myself. In various exercises, like running, have you heard of run as high? and you get that endorphin rush and everything. Mm-hmm. Is there an equivalent in yoga? Is there some feeling in yoga? Because if there is, I certainly have not gotten there yet.
1: <laughs> okay, well, well, my suggestion is to pay, start paying attention to how you feel in about that first 30 minutes after class. You know, when we've, we've done the practice, we've done the Shavasana, you've got your things and you're making your way you know, out to your car and out into whatever's next. I would invite you to just check in to see how you're feeling mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, because it's usually in that moment that you're having that that experience. Yeah. You know, the result of your practice can be felt uh-huh. in really pronounced way. Yeah, what that if I'm really sore? Yeah, if you're really sore, you know, I'd say that's an indicator that maybe in our practice we could be backing off the intensity a little Mm. bit so that we're not getting that end result of that deep profound soreness that feels like it makes your day hard to get through i don't just for the record i don't uh, feel that yeah we can lean lean on the props a little bit more to Mm. inform the practice and you know that's what all of that is for just to take the practice and let it meet the practitioner at their level of fitness and experience and flexibility and strength and, all and that that's stuff.
0: that's uh leads me nicely into another bullet point accepting the progress rather than forcing the progress and mm-hmm. for someone athletic and competitive mm-hmm. it's very difficult not to think if I do two of these it's better than doing one. If I do ten, it's better than doing eight. If right. I go thirty degrees, it's better than forty-five degrees. You know, right. how do you how do you make that easily digestible?
1: You know, I think that it kind of piggybacks onto something you said a little bit earlier about that desire for perfection. You know, and and here it is coming up a little bit like that in another yeah. way. The desire for perfection or peak performance. And, The achievement of full posture the first time i've ever learned the posture you know that thing in our minds that makes us think about this self-imposed pressure to achieve perfection when um i've heard it said that we can consider ourselves novices absolute novices in physical yoga for about a decade oh wow before before all of this detail really starts to take shape in the form of a mind and body connection. Like I'm doing these actions in my body on purpose because I know what I'm doing. And it it takes a little bit of time for that to fall together. And so, you know, the the invitation is to really adopt a beginner's mind and an openness and a willingness to let ourselves be beginners and tell ourselves the truth in that moment when we are beginners to remind ourselves, I'm a beginner. And even if I'm an expert athlete in this other area, the movement principles in this discipline are completely different. Yeah, that's for sure. And so, how about if I can just be open to learning? I'll you try. Know, yeah, I, I'm looking around the space, you know, looking up at the photo of your son with the football Um, Is he a quarterback? Yes. Okay, so how many times do you think he had to practice that throw to get to the level of being a pro player in Japan?
0: Millions. Millions, (laughs) right?
1: Millions, you know? And so he's teaching the football methods class. Let's pretend he's teaching a football methodology class, and I'm his student, and I've never once been taught how to throw a football with a spiral and you know whatever right. whatever other things see how technical I am with my sports that. information. That was that was, but you, you know it's it's refining 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 and at some point I'm sure there was a place where he was having to learn ways to do it more efficiently yeah, ways to right. not hurt the shoulder ways to get it to go a little further ways to improve The precision for the catcher that's gonna you know it's just all those details they're not gonna happen when he's on a day one in pop warner football you come into your first yoga class it's the equivalent of day one in pop warner football and there's there's some information that needs to be taken in and if we can really just understand that and get rid of the self-imposed pressure of the expectation of absolute perfection the first time i step out there let that go because it's not happening (laughs) and then you know
0: challenge accept. yeah
1: we can we can you know enjoy the journey and enjoy the process and be able to tune in and say oh I really do feel that thing when I do this action I feel this result
0: how do 20 year olds hear it has it changed do you think since you started teaching
1: oh gosh um there have been so many changes in my college classes, you know, which, you know, typically it's that age group. The late teens, early twenties make up the vast majority of those classes. And I think we are, you know, we're all obviously seeing this shift in our culture away from kind of the traditional delivery of a college class with books and assignments that we did with pen and paper to this whole online thing. And I think that the students' lives, much like ours that we were talking about, are getting pulled way more into social media. They might be working for themselves on social media. They might have their TikTok pages and their Instagram pages and Snapchat and whatever it is that they're doing. Heck, some of them even attend college on their phone. Now, there's such a, you know, some of the people during COVID, some of my students in in the entirety of their college curriculum, they were attending school on their cell phone. Wow. And it's just a different way of going to school than 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 it was when I started teaching and certainly when I went through school myself. So there's that. There is a movement to minimize textbook costs so we're finding that we're needing to if we go that way we have to curate the entire curriculum from things that we pull offline or write them ourselves so i'm i'm kind of navigating all that stuff right now
0: yeah i would suggest the art of ancient yoga.
1: <laughs> the ancient art of the yoga. Ancient, oh,
0: <laughs> sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not a very good plug. He's holding that, up our class textbook,
0: yes, uh, a modern application mm-hmm. uh, edited by Jennifer DeMarco. Right. So, if you can...
1: so we are still <laughs> using a book. I'm kind of a holdout because I just for me not, and this is just the way my mind works. If I want to keep the canvas, which is our course management system that's online behind the live class meetings at Grossmont College, we have we do our homework on the computer. And we've got a textbook that just goes through an introduction to yoga, and paths of yoga, and eight limbs of yoga, followed by breath work, followed by some information about asana, the physical practice, and how it relates to the chakras, and the subtle body, and the principles of movement. And then it segues into the teachings of meditation. And I just find that the book feels helpful to me to keep the course on track so that we're following a flow that of information that keeps it succinct and digestible like we were yeah. talking about. And it would be so easy to get off track <laughs> and it would be yeah. so easy to overshoot the depth of yeah. the information. And I I, like, I, I like do notice part. a change is that I feel like with this shift into more social media in our lives I feel like collectively our t- attention span has oh. become so short yes. and I find that in the lectures um, I've got to really engage them because it's so it's, we're, we're not accustomed to right. holding our attention on any subject matter right. for much more than about 10 seconds yeah. and so it's really important to me to use the yoga to enhance that one skill. You know, all this talk that we do in the class about noticing when the mind has become distracted and catch it and come back again and again and again, this is exactly what we're talking about. And one of that, so that's a huge shift that I'm noticing in the students of today versus the students I had 23 years ago. And we're being subjected to it with algorithms. And, you know, it's not 100% our own fault. But I think it's really important for us to create balance between screen time and yes. other time. Well,
0: and one of the good things I think about a textbook, too, is it's a, it's a very tangible reference point that you can say page 36 or you exactly know, whatever. And and I think it's grounding and it brings everyone because I think we're missing communal. Like before we were kids, everyone's watching the same TV show. Everybody's right. the same songs on the radio. Everybody's talking about the 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 communal thing. Where now everything's so cut and paste and so fragmented, which on right. one hand is great. You can get information on Hermit Crabs, if that's your passion, or mm-hmm. you can watch War movies or you can you know, I mean whatever it is that you want to engage in you can find, but I think we do suffer a little bit because there's no communal, like even a even in school with a textbook or I mean I remember when I went to college the first time, Mount Hood, community college fighting saints, Mr. Mount Hood, nineteen eighty five, mm-hmm. but you know, no big deal. Just wore the sash. It was on a calendar.
1: I think Tony's a year younger than me.
0: Um <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna guess not. I'm gonna guess I um, think
1: he's a year younger
0: Alright, well, I'm 58
1: yeah. Uh, 55
0: Oh, I'm way older than Super you Super old Okay just, <laughs> But In that, when you went to school You say, hey, did you see Starsky and Hutch last night? Or, hey, did you hear the latest cut by mm-hmm. The Whispers? Or, you know, whoever it was You know, oh, Bruce Springsteen has a new album How did you hear his album? You know mm-hmm. And and that just doesn't exist anymore Right And, and I think that's And the bye-bye. other
1: thing is this Um That feeling of expectation of perfection without being willing to be a beginner and take the time and the dedication and the discipline to really learn whatever the thing is, whether it's a foreign language or a musical instrument or a sports skill or... A uh, five to six thousand year old Eastern discipline that has, you know, an yeah. moral and ethical precepts and a physical practice and breath work and a, a, a in-depth meditative practice to really see ourselves as Atma, the truth of being—that that is who we are. You know, and, and that's yeah. not going to happen in a semester.
0: No, no, unfortunately. I wish it'd be a very productive semester.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was once asked that for a newspaper article. Can I guarantee enlightenment by the end of the semester? Oh, my goodness. We had a good laugh about that. <laughs> good, one.
0: yeah. Uh, so, no, two semesters?
1: Mm. Okay. I'm still waiting for myself, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm going to have to say maybe not. Maybe, but maybe not.
0: Now, let's assume yoga and the practices and the, the everything is a buffet. Mm-hmm. Would you, you know, again, ideally... You would taste and savor every dish from the buffet, and by the time you were done with the buffet, you'd have a comprehensive understanding and palate and everything of everything that was in the buffet.
1: I love that analogy. Well, you're welcome to Mm -hmm. use it
0: in the next book, The Ancient Art (laughs) of Yoga. Did I get that right that time? Yes, The Ancient Art of Yoga Part 2, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, What would you have people, and and I know when i was coaching i hate it when people say what's the one thing i can do to become faster or mm-hmm. things like that so maybe three just super shallow things that you think people can do just to start embracing and start understanding what what would you say they would be
1: so three things that i would recommend yeah. the first would be find a class specific to beginners okay and don't put yourself in a hot power vinyasa flow class on day one (laughs) okay because you'll be lost and you'll be frustrated and you'll think that's what all of yoga is and you might not come back okay the second thing i'd recommend is that the class be based in alignment which could be full-blown iyengar yoga i y e n g a r Uh, and there are a number of Iyengar studios around San Diego, and it's a particular system of yoga that's really based upon absolute precision and understanding of all of these alignment principles that we work on so Mm -hmm. much in our class. Focus on teaching the movement in detail, and accommodate injuries. Yeah, form, alignment, technique, working around injuries. What do you do if you're tight and you can't touch your toes? How are you going to navigate this? It's how to accommodate your body to the practice without hurting yourself. And then, gosh, the third one is, you know, I think it's it's really worth shopping around for teachers because, of course, everybody who teaches does it a little bit differently and has a different manner and a different way of expressing the teachings. And I have I have searched long and far for the teachers that I'm studying with right now. And the right ones can really expand your own motivation and discipline mm-hmm. and desire to continue, or they can just completely it, shut yeah. it down.
0: Now, it's interesting, because I would say because I'm the expert here, as we all of know. Of course. Well, it's
1: cool to hear your perspective because you're you're an active student.
0: Yes, I would say the first thing is, is dismiss your notions about the class, the physical. I'd say the first thing would be just kind of the mental and just kind of just get familiar. You don't have to become a master, but say, look, yeah. it, it's about centering. It's about breathing. It's about mental clarity. It's about this kind of thing and and put that in a bubble and say that is gonna be great and if you're on board that that's gonna be great I think that would really help and I'm mm-hmm. on board that that one day God or Ashna who's the God that we talk about in class is there a
1: nope, nope. there's it's not linked to any the God God, self, it's
0: God being God spirit some mind yeah. Atma,
1: Atma which is the word for truth with a capital okay. T and okay. um, so, you know, there are there is an element of this sacred energy as a God consciousness God or consciousness. The God yes, consciousness. Yes, that's the term. I but was looking in for. these teachings, it's not divided into different gods for different religions. Right, right. It's the one the God, universal yep, the consciousness. One, the God con- yes,
0: that's what I was looking for. Yeah. And and if I think it's not necessary, but if you value that, that. That it would help, and even if mm-hmm. you want to draw parallels to your religious training and background and and everything, and say, okay, the God consciousness is one and the same with dot dot dot. Yes, you know, I think that's that's good too. So, but the the mental and value, the mental part of it, because to me, and again, yet yeah, 20 years ago, I might not have said that. And then the second thing I would say would be breathe and 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 go with it the idea of lengthening and becoming more fluid you know mm-hmm. bench press or push-ups is one thing curls mm-hmm. you know that's all strength but it's it's i call it bunchy strength you know mm-hmm. and and limited it's not necessarily life strength but a lot of the flowing and the stretching and utilizing your body and elongating your spine that's the thing to value too and then third third of me would be the class and mm-hmm. it that it's, of course, very important. These are the top three things of a 10,000-year-old practice. I mean, every class is going to help you to some degree, but find sure. one that fits and 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 have that be the steps, you know?
1: Right, and be, be coachable.
0: Yes. And uh, be yes. open
1: to feedback and be able to say, oh, yeah, my knee does that thing. Uh, I see that now, and here's how I can fix it. Or yeah, I see my back is doing that thing. Yeah, here's how I fix it. Okay, now I can feel that in my body. And you know, the thing is that to this day, I get those feedbacks every time I go to a class. I'm, you know, I'm I'm certainly not at a point of perfection in my physical practice. It just keeps it. it, Yeah, over forty years, and Uh. it just you know the. We become more and more sensitive to more and more subtle details as we go along. And it's kind of endless. So the pressure's off. You know, there's there's really no end point.
0: <sighs> I want an end point. I want a, <laughs> I want a finish line. I want right. to finish my three sets and be done. Alas. <laughs> All right. That's going to wrap up section two. We have one last short fun segment where we just talk about things you like and things you don't like and things you like better than other things. And get to know the last little bit of the Picadillos. That is Jennifer DeMarco, yoga guru. And we are back. Remember, folks, Jennifer DeMarco is not just a yoga teacher. She's a lifestyle shaper. Is
1: That's that a great way to put it. She's a
0: <laughs> She'll help you with your mental clarity, your diet, your exercise, your spirituality and focus. Uh, yoga is not just a class. It's a lifestyle. I think I'm going to get a shirt made. It says something like that. So, uh, it says here you like music. We're going to talk about your music. Uh, It looks like a classic rock. Um, The Grateful Dead, Rolling Stones, Zeppelin.
1: That is correct.
0: And rumor has it, you actually canceled the class so you could go to a Dead concert.
1: Is that just this past fall semester? I did that. (laughs) I sent a Canvas announcement to everybody and said, oh, a Grateful Dead ticket just fell into my lap this morning, and we're not having class today. I'll see you Wednesday. Where was the
0: class? Was it concert? <laughs>
1: it was down at the amphitheater in okay. Chula Vista. Okay. And it um, was among the first to come back after COVID, yeah. you know. So we had to show our vaccine cards and long lines, and it, it was awesome.
0: That's cool. You know, I was in a, M was in a cover band, the Grateful Dads. Love it. And um, we we stopped doing dead covers because there's there's people who wanted all dead covers all the time, mm-hmm. which we weren't a, we weren't a grateful dead tribute band. It was just right. a bunch of dads. And we did a lot of stuff. This or that is one of the things we do, and you get a couple choices, and you have to pick one. Stones versus Zeppelin.
1: Oh God, I love both. You gotta pick. All right. Well, I've seen the Stones more than I've seen Zeppelin, so I guess they have to win, but I really love both.
0: Yeah, and again, it's not anti-Zeppelin.
1: It's not anti-Zeppelin at all. You make it, you make it. Not at all. Tom
0: Petty or Bruce Springsteen?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Bruce has got to win that one, but I also love Tom.
0: Yeah, uh, Tom Petty has always been an artist that I like. And it's weird because it's weird they're not anything alike Tom He Petty, was a cool Florida gang, boy Are two two musical acts that I didn't know how much of them I knew mm-hmm. And when he hosted the Super And we did halftime at the Super Bowl mm-hmm. And I listened to his cow and I'm like Holy cow, I really like Tom Petty Yeah, I really <laughs> and, and
1: I've seen I got to see him a couple of times too And you know, my mom is really the original music fan in our family She's, she's a rock and roller Nice And when we moved to South Jersey, that was when Springsteen was first up and coming. And I remember she took me, my mom took me, the little kid, to my first Springsteen show when I was really young. And he was was playing in a gym. He was playing at the Towson University Gym in Maryland. And that was how it began. And now we've seen him in much, much bigger venues.
0: Yeah, he used to play long, long concerts. Mm -hmm. We saw him in... I want to say eighty, eighty-one mm-hmm. in Columbia, South Carolina, mm. and it was just great, great show. Uh, let's see, True Fru versus Jolly Ranchers. Uh True Fru, because and,
1: there's chocolate involved.
0: There's chocolate. Now, what if they had chocolate-covered Jolly Ranchers? No, I don't know that. that would. No,
1: not happening. I, mean,
0: <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect that. Okay, Taibo versus Zumba. Choose
1: wisely. Mm god they both drive me insane in a so good way or a I, bad way you hate in a them both? in a not good way oh no i would say taibo moves so fast that it scrambles my brain uh-huh. great workout love the concept too quick for me okay and zumba is so unstructured that my Type A perfectionistic Virgo <laughs> self goes a little bit insane because my when I would teach fitness classes that were not Zumba, and to this day it's on the eight count, thirty-two count blocks of music, thirty-two count blocks of choreography. Everything you do on the right, you do the equal number on the left, and it's it's just yep. a compl- it's Zumba is so free form. Yes, probably I need to do more of it. How about
0: sweating <laughs> to the oldies versus jazzercise?
1: Ah, uh, sweating to the oldies is Richard Simmons. Yep. Jazzercise Judy Shepard Massette.
0: Was she the first
1: was that? She was the jazzercise person. I did not know that. And I have met her wow. in that environment that I work in down in Mexico. We get a lot of those folks that roll through there. Cool. So I'd probably have to say that one, jazzercise.
0: Hmm. And that's not anti-Richard Simmons.
1: Not anti-Richard Simmons. Okay. You know, he did a lot for our industry. He really did. We have a lot to thank him for yeah. in terms of putting fitness and wellness on the map as just sort of an everyday conversational yeah. part of our lives. Thing,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Going back to the day, headbands or leggings?
1: Always leggings. I, I never was a headband girl. Oh, really? Never was a headband girl.
0: Hmm. Okay. Ready? Okay swami vivekananda
1: vivekananda
0: vivekananda versus ramana maharshi
1: ramana maharshi
0: ramana maharshi
1: ramana maharshi is the teacher who was the the foundation of the lineage of a couple of teachers that i listen to on an almost daily basis really so listen or listened listen still currently Um, in, in terms of the, the basis of the meditation practice and what we're doing in the meditation practice, I love to lean on the teachings that come from Ramana Maharshi. And there are several teachers that are alive today that are based in his system of teachings, and meditation. Coaching,
0: coaching tree, if you will.
1: Muj-i, Mooji, M-O-O-J-I. Is one of them that don't you could say any, look don't up say online? Names
0: because I might have them on my list.
1: Ganga You're still saying names. <laughs> and Papa You're still saying names. Okay, okay. Uh,
0: Krishna Is that familiar at all? Yep. Versus Prahupada. Now I tried and and I, I tried to make. I did a little research. I tried to make apt comparisons right. to different things. I
1: would say Krishna Murti. Of those two
0: mm-hmm. and and why do you hate Prabhupada I don't hate him
1: <laughs> see we're not all of a sudden we're anti <laughs> right? no because I'm I, team Krishna Krishnamurti I would say because he came to the United States and he was involved in in an early phase of bringing the teachings of yoga to the United States and if you can only imagine how it would have been viewed you know, in those early days, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s, in our somewhat puritanical society, it was a really odd thing for a brown person from India to come over here talking about this other way of practicing spirituality, you know, and facing the stigma of being called pagan and devil worship and things of that nature from people who are uneducated about the actual teachings.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: So I love Krishna Murti for that.
0: All right. Now, some of the younger it's so funny. Some of the younger people like Osho. Mhm. And then when I realized and did a little more research on Osho, that was decades ago.
1: <laughs> so Right.
0: It's interesting what they consider younger. Right. And in in, in the, it's like America. America's Two hundred and fifty years old, or whatever. Right. We're not Italy. We're not Mexico. We're not South America. We're not Africa. You know, our our society hasn't been here that long. And it's it's interesting when you see something like yoga that's been around for literally thousands and thousands of years. Right. That the fact that it's been here and mainstream in the United States
1: for a very short time. Not
0: very long at all.
1: And I've also been asked this this funny. The person who said it will remain nameless, but a student in one of my classes not too long ago um, mentioned that he has a daughter that was participating in a yoga competition, like a posture competition, which is a thing in a particular system In, in Bikram yoga. There's such a thing as competitive yoga. And is that like
0: anti-yoga? Isn't that well, that was, you know, the, this
1: student asked me, he said, well, I want I want to know what your opinion is about who's better at yoga, Yikes. the Americans oh, boy. or the Indians. And oh, I thought, boy. oh, wow, this is going to go down this weird <laughs> path. You know, who, that, what kind of question is that even? And he was basing it 100% on the physical aspect that he was visually seeing his daughter participate in. Now, he's my yoga student, too, so it's not like he's completely ignorant about yoga. However, he's getting all wrapped up in the physical. And I said, you know, you have to really consider how the yogis would define it. And it... I think they would define it as the person who's walking through their day in the greater sense of peace. You know, so the person yeah. who is achieving that is is engaging their practice out in the world and you know it it's not even about who's better the Indians or the Americans, but I think it would be so arrogant for those of us who really haven't even been exposed to the depth and the entirety of the yeah. teachings to think that or even in that contest
0: when well, I no, absolutely not and another just kind of side note going back to South Carolina is there are the like southern comfort foods is a real thing from generation to generation sure. to generation and we just simply don't have that many generations in San Diego or California or you know right because you know it was there was a couple hundred years of exploration and expansion and again, that's on a micro scale, mm-hmm. you know, on a macro scale, obviously, generations of, of people from India would pass it down through, you know, was part of it, like soccer, like right. soccer in a lot of the other parts of the world. We we're soccer come lately in America. Right. And so, yeah.
1: And also there's the conversation with the yogic teachings about cultural appropriation, you know, and, you know, wanting that. it's really important to me to pass these teachings along in a way that conveys a lot of respect for the culture of origin of these teachings and when I'm talking to my classes, I, I really try to put it out there that I'm putting this forward to the best of my understanding related to authentic teachings and not taking a ton of liberties. With my own opinion about What this means or how this should be done
0: That's another parallel to Christianity Mm -hmm. A lot of people, you know, Christianity Say this is how it was supposed to be Mm -hmm. And I think it's inevitable And healthy to adapt Christianity, yoga Diet, whatever it is To to life, you know, I think that we learn More, we see more, we have access to more That it it has to Evolve somewhat But that balance of trying to be respectful and right. and reverent to how it started and how it's been practiced and how it's been done versus our McYoga yoga you know exactly. <laughs> that we yeah. have today. and
1: I try to be really sensitive to that yeah and in the classes that I teach whether it's at school or those other locations I, th- I hope that that is a hallmark.
0: Yeah, good. I think it is I mean I I think you're very respectful. Now, my typical last question you completely ruined, but you (laughs) you led on to and unfortunately we don't have enough time to do this, but we're gonna do this on the next one for sure. But the electric chair question, which all my listeners are expecting, is you know, you get one final movie, one final meal while you watch the movie, and then one final song to hear in the headphones as you have lethal injection. Go ahead and tell everybody what your know it all answer was.
1: What did I say? You have to tell me what I said.
0: Um okay, it said I didn't I didn't cut and paste it cuz I was
1: cuz I did something dumb. Cuz I was probably. mad
0: and I was both mad and and Super <laughs> curious, so I'm going to ask all the questions that you're not going to be able. That I'm not even going to let you answer today. Okay. But you said you would not want to be distracted by any food or any movie or any. Yeah, that because that's
1: what I'm sitting here. I thought, what did I put? Because I would want to just go inward and be yeah. very peaceful. No, you and actually start preparing for that transition.
0: You you put the movie Animal House, and, <laughs> and you, you would have steak and you'd have a Philly cheese steak. No, you said that you would want to be just focused and uh preparing yourself emotionally for it mm-hmm. and again we know it's happening mm-hmm. which not every you know not everybody has that opportunity when they right. pass away but it then struck and again i'll give you the questions and on the re and you can actually prep these but then the next flood of questions was are you ready to die right now and Have you lived before? Do you feel like your past lives Mm. are a culmination? Do you feel like you have another life ahead of you? Do you feel like you're on a path? Um, Do you feel every day at peace with the decisions and choices and lifestyle that you have so that if you were, of course, wrongfully committed because we know you wouldn't do a a capital crime. Mm -hmm. Uh, I rolled my eyes a little bit. We hope. We hope, right? Mm But the idea that you know that you'd have all that, and uh, and again, you're not gonna. I'm I'm sorry, just not because again, this is a, an episode by itself. Is yeah. Past lives, future lives, right? Death, contentment, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But just everybody know that normally you're hearing whatever song they chose playing,
1: mm-hmm. and now
0: we have no song. Right. So because
1: I'm silent,
0: you ruined it.
1: I'm going inward.
0: You're going inward. Yeah. Um Which is
1: probably the right answer
0: the other answer is people would say i'd look at home movies from my kids and everything which i had to finally ban that because right. it's got to be a commercial movie and then i attach some sort of significance to it even though it changes like if you asked me today a week ago a month ago a year ago mm-hmm. it would always be different right so you're going inward to prepare for your journey of death that we yep. will uh we'll get into on the next episode or some episode somewhere down the road
1: fasting meditating praying going inward
0: so how long do you think you would fast before if you had a date and a time?
1: Probably three to five days. Really? Mm-hmm.
0: And that's just, I mean, complete fat water?
1: Yeah, just water. Okay.
0: And then how much of that 24-hour days would you spend meditating, do you think?
1: I, as much as I possibly could be in that position, it would probably be an hour of sitting, hour of walking, hour of sitting. Hour of walking, hour of sitting, hour mm-hmm. of walking. With a little spine rolling in between. Yeah,
0: I was going to say around your cell because mm-hmm. you're in a facility. Mm-hmm. You can't get out. Wow, that's, uh. again, when I read the answer, it just spurred a thousand more questions. And yeah. again, as I was prepping and as I were delivering it, there's no way we're going to have time to get to those. So we'll get to them another time. But I am truly curious about the past lives concept and the future lives concept and the contentment and the okay yes or no those are your only two choices okay are you ready to die today
1: yes wow
0: good for you you can say something yeah i I was well i was just gonna
1: say that um now, I, I mentioned that there w- had been a cancer diagnosis right. about six years ago, and, you know, when you very first hear that word, there's a certain mental and emotional reaction that right. occurs, I, I think, no matter who you are, because there are just a lot of questions, you know, like, what do you mean? How serious is this? What are, you t- what are we talking about here? Right. And in my case... It was um, contained, it was encapsulated, there was just a surgery, no aftercare, no chemo, no radiation, but a big surgery. And But yet there's this period of time at the beginning where you don't know what's what will the outcome of this be. And so I made it my business during that time in my life to really take a deep dive into my practice and the church that I attend and leaning in with the, our minister, and really preparing myself for whatever outcome was going to happen, because we don't know what the outcome is no. going to be. No. And the other part is that in our practice, a big part of our yogic practice is really reconciling that inevitability within ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, the, the spiritual practice is really a lot to do about recognizing our impermanence, and telling ourselves the truth about it and quit acting like it's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there's even a particular practice where you imagine death as a as an entity that's right here, you know, over your shoulder. Wow. You know, and guiding your thoughts and words and actions and behaviors and choices and you know, we we ought to remember it. Cuz hmm. guess what?
0: It's it's happening. Mhm. It's undefeated. Yep. No one has ever beaten death. Some have delayed it, but nobody's ever beaten it. <laughs> on that cheery note, <laughs> we're, gonna, <laughs> we're gonna sign off. This has been Tony Lawrence with Tony on the mic, my guest today, Yoga Guru, Yoga Stylist, Yoga Practitioner. We're gonna come up with a perfect name on the by the time we come to the next one. Yes. I'm gonna introduce you as okay. the yoga blank Jennifer DeMarco. But in the short term, one more time, uh pump your social media so somebody can find more information about you.
1: On Facebook, Jennifer Demarco on Instagram, Grossmont Yoga, all one word, and new and upcoming website, JenniferDemarcoYoga.com. It's Je- on it's online, but no content yet. It's under construction.
0: Jennifer Two N's Jennifer DeMarco D-E-M-A-R-C-O yoga.com. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for making some time. We will do this again and talk about the specifics of yoga, and and again, we got about an hour, little you know, give or take. So we we can't delve into three thousand years of yoga practice, but we definitely uh, hit some highlights and hopefully enlighten the world on how this can make them better. My advice is go take some yoga. I think yoga is great. I think the mental, the physical, the spiritual, and emotional. My advice, anybody who knows me knows, is open, open up to things. Open, 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 open. Try things, and and I would try yoga, and I would try it with an open mind, not with any preconceived notions, not with any expectations of limber flexibility, meeting perfect peace and harmony, you know, (laughs) at the end of every class, because I don't think that's realistic. But I would definitely say, uh, take some yoga, and if you have a chance to take it with Jennifer DeMarco, that's what I would do, and I'm the living proof because I've done it twice.
1: Yes, indeed. I was so happy to reconnect. Yeah. After how many years did we decide it had been?
0: I think 14. Yeah. I, I think, think that so. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. So, but I guess I could check the, my roles at the school because my school records. Yeah. I think you gave me a D.
1: Did I give you a no, D? No,
0: I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I hope not. I've
1: been known to do that before. Yo,
0: don't don't.
1: <laughs> so I hope I get
0: extra credit for. You, <laughs> you get the grade you
1: earn. That's okay. right.
0: Oh boy! All right, guys, I got to go do some homework. <laughs> this has been Tony on the mic, signing off. Say goodnight, night, Jennifer.
1: Thank you so much, Tony. That was a lot of fun. Good.
0: Tony in the Mesa. In the, mesa in the Mesa. Outro. 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 Outro and that's gonna do it for another episode of tony on the mic thanks for listening thanks for supporting i want to thank my guests i want to thank my sponsors and you can find more info and episodes at TonyOnTheMic.com. tony on the mic on twitter on tiktok on facebook on instagram on youtube all these platforms are slowly becoming populated with quality entertainment products so check it out and tell your friends and click and like and subscribe and all that stuff